WHYY and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Spring training is finally here. Our long winter without baseball has ended. Pitchers and catchers have reported to Clearwater, and we are watching Phillies in pinstripes throw baseballs at other human beings with gloves on. This is what we've been waiting for ever since the final out of Game 7 of the National League Championship Series. So on the podcast, we're going to just kind of dip in with some observations from the first day of pitchers and catchers, give you some news and notes, including uh, some of the latest on the Zach Wheeler contract extension talks. Uh, We'll talk about some other Phillies minor moves that have taken place over the last couple of days, and I'll talk to you about the five Phillies players I'm most interested in watching this spring. So we'll do that coming up here on this edition of Hit and Season. So yes, everybody, get excited. Get ramped up. Spring, you can feel it in the air, right? I mean, the snow in some of your yards notwithstanding. But spring is springing. It is it is getting closer, and that never is more true than when Phillies pitchers and catchers report to Clearwater. We're going to be playing some fake baseball games coming up in like a week or two. So, I mean, this is just, this is all happening. And just right after the end of the Super Bowl, so we roll right from football into baseball. That's kind of how we did it last year. And uh, it is a welcome sight to see the Phils uh, back up and running in Clearwater uh, fascinating to see some of these guys in their full uniforms here in day one doing their bullpen sessions, uh, maybe just getting used to the new Fanatic uniforms. And I, I want to talk more about this with Justin and Liz, although I imagine they'll probably talk about it uh, on the Friday edition of the Hit and Season podcast. But the new uniforms from from Fanatic are truly abysmal. And the players hate them. The fans hate them. They are cheap dollar store knockoff. So the kind of jerseys that you find hanging up in Target that you get for like $35 ironed on. The uh, the lettering is way too small. Uh, it looks cheap. It, it doesn't fit right according to the players. The players are all complaining that they're that they're baggy and that the 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 fabric is 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 awful. I mean the the, the blowback with regard to these uniforms is so severe that you almost feel like the, the that fanatic, not the fanatic, but fanatic, the company has to do something about these uniforms. They're that awful. The script is is just it's unreadable, and it's it's everybody's uniform. It's not just the Phillies. Uh, they had some Cardinals uniforms on social media, and the players were just ripping into them. And every team ripping these new uniforms. Nike no longer the uniform maker for Major League Baseball for the first time this year. Fanatic uh, has taken over as the maker of the uniforms, and, and they really, truly are awful. They just, they look like the kind of uniforms that you would get your 10-year-old son for cheap because you know he's just going to ruin the uniform in a couple of weeks anyway. And they're, they're just, they're, they're truly awful. But you had, you had all the, you know, all the big names in Clearwater today. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Ranger Suarez, Tywin Walker, uh, all throwing bullpens in full uniform. I just, it's kind of unnecessary to be in your full uniform if you're not playing games. It's just, I, I couldn't I couldn't really figure out why. Maybe they are truly getting used to it. I was kind of joking about that, but maybe they are just getting used to the uniforms. But I would have thought, day one, you're in the bullpen. Yeah, throw some shorts on, throw a T-shirt on, and, and get revved up. But, oh, no, these guys in full uniform. It's like when you're a little kid and you find out what Little League team you're on and you get your jersey after your first practice and you just want to wear it around all night. It's kind of what it reminded me of 
uh, when I was watching that today. Uh, but a relatively quiet day as only Wheeler and Suarez, Orion Kirkering, Walker among pitchers through th- who threw bullpen sessions. Uh, you had some other guys who were there, some of the position players who were there. Uh, you had JT Realmuto there, Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm. Uh, Johan Rojas, Weston Wilson, Derek Hall, Carlos De La Cruz, Brandon Marsh is rehabbing uh, from the arthroscopic knee surgery that he had, but he was there as well. Uh, And some of the news that's coming out on the first day, largely circling around Zach Wheeler and the contract extension talks that now can officially begin. Contract extension talks, anything agreed to now, the contract extension would not apply to 2024. Uh, and the luxury tax, it would start in 2025. So now they can really ramp these things up. And I don't know, maybe they've already been moving the ball down the field during the course of the winter and the offseason. But they talked to Zach Wheeler about it. He said uh, he he is hoping that a deal gets done before the spring ends. He says, I love it here. We're happy here, talking about him and his family. Uh, so Zach Wheeler says his agent and the Phillies are chatting about a contract extension. He says uh, that he's not... In- concerned about negotiating during the season. So it doesn't look like, unlike Aaron Nola a year ago, that if a deal isn't done by the end of spring training, that doesn't appear to be a deal breaker, right? That doesn't appear to, for Zach anyway, to be a deadline for him. He's willing to allow his agent to negotiate into the regular season. So that's good. It sounds like both teams, both sides are motivated. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to arrive at a number. Uh, We've talked a lot on this podcast about what a Zach Wheeler extension would look like. Reports that were out, some of the beat writers who are down there writing about this today, uh, reporting that he's open to a shorter term deal. So like a three or four year contract extension, but he wants it to be in the upper 30s to low 40s in average annual value. Now that's a lot of money, but that's kind of what DeGrom is making. And that's what Verlander and Scherzer were given late in their careers. And you can't argue that Zach Wheeler doesn't deserve to earn what those guys are earning. I think the consensus seems to be that a Jacob deGrom type deal would make some sense. Now, deGrom signed a five-year free agent contract with the Texas Rangers. This would be something different. This would be a contract extension. So he hasn't hit free agency just yet. You wouldn't need to go five years and you may not need to go too terribly high. I don't think they're going to have to cross the $40 million a year barrier. I don't think they want to cross the $40 million a year barrier. It sounds like Zach Wheeler wants to stay here in Philadelphia. He intimated that he doesn't want to make more money and be unhappy someplace else. He'd rather be someplace where he's happy and still make really gosh darn good money. And so the Jacob deGrom deal is an, has an average annual value of $37 million. That to me seems like the number, like a, a four-year deal worth $37 million a season. He's worth that. That's what, and now, again, when Zach Wheeler is pitching in his age 36 and age 37 season as a part of this contract extension, we may be singing a different tune, but hopefully we're talking about a parade that Zach Wheeler was able to participate in in 2024 or 2025. That's The World Series window is open right now, but there is a risk, of course, in giving a contract extension to a pitcher in his mid-30s, but we also have to remember Zach Wheeler didn't pitch a lot when he was in his mid-20s. He had the Tommy John surgery, uh, just didn't accumulate a whole lot of innings until really he came with the Phillies and became a, a workhorse for them. And we're, we're seeing that Zach Wheeler is adjusting as time goes along because he did lose 
about a, a mile an hour off his fastball from, say, 2021 to 2023. But he's using his pitches differently, and he can still get it up to 97, 98 miles an hour every once in a while when he needs to. But he came into camp saying he also wants to add a changeup to his arsenal. Now, Roy Halladay did something very similar in his first season in Philadelphia, and Boy, that worked out. Uh, so I have no doubt in my mind that Zach Wheeler can learn a new pitch. It's a pitch that he has. He just doesn't use it all that often. It's not a pitch he's been all that confident in, but it's a pitch he wants to utilize here more in 2024. And when you are evolving as a pitcher, when you lose a little bit of that fastball, it forces a pitcher to evolve. Sure, find something else because he he started really working that cutter in last year. That was a big weapon for him. Uh, he still has his, his uh, slurve. That he was uh, that he was using a lot last season. In addition to the harder slider and then the fastball, I mean, if he can pick up a changeup, good heavens! I mean, you could be looking at a Cy Young season for Zach Wheeler. Um, so anyway, that's the latest on the contract extension talks. It sure sounds like everybody is optimistic about a deal getting done there. It's just how long will it be and what will the average annual value be? Taiwan Walker also addressed the media, and when when last we heard from Taiwan Walker. He was on Twitter just after the National League Championship Series complaining about, it seemed, complaining about not being able to get a chance to pitch in the playoffs at all for the Phillies, despite the fact that he was on the postseason roster. Rob, Rob Thompson did not trust him to start him in Game 4 of the NLCS, instead going with uh, the rookie or the, was he a rookie last year? I don't think Christopher Sanchez qualified as a rookie, uh, but the the youngster, Christopher Sanchez, getting that game four start instead of Taiwan Walker. And remember, when they signed Taiwan Walker to a free agent contract ahead of last season, it was with the idea that you're going out and getting a game four starter, somebody that you would feel comfortable starting game four. But Taiwan Walker simply was too inconsistent last year. So he addressed the media on Wednesday about his social media Twitter outburst, uh, and he admitted he didn't give the team a reason to make them use him because he was so inconsistent last year. But he did say his relationship with Rob Thompson was good, just talked about kind of being emotional right afterwards, that it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, but he also is going to work on getting his velocity up. And I didn't, I didn't track this last year, but as I looked it up today, I looked on fan graphs, and in 2021... He averaged 94.1 miles an hour on his fastball. Last season, two years later, 92.6, almost two full miles an hour less. It was like 93 miles an hour uh, in 2022. So it went from like 94 to 93, now to 92. He also stopped throwing his slider last year. Uh, back in 2021, he threw his slider 20% of the time, and he threw it at about 86 miles an hour. Last year, he threw it 3% of the time and was only throwing at 82.7 miles an hour. So not sure exactly what happened with the slider and with the velocity on that pitch, but he he threw that away and started using a cutter uh, more than ever. Now, maybe, maybe this is Fangraph's confusion over the two pitches. So I have to kind of chalk it up, and, and it could be the fact that what they once considered was a slider for him was in fact what he now calls the cutter. So uh, maybe the slider cutter thing isn't as big a deal, but the fastball velocity is a big deal. And he says he is working on getting his velocity up. If Taiwan Walker can be anything like the pitcher we thought we were getting, and I, most of us were not enamored with the Taiwan Walker signing, to be fair. This was not a deal that everybody was jumping up and down about. Good back of the rotation starter. They signed him for probably too many years and, and too much money than you would have felt comfortable, but 
he can turn that all around with a good season here in 2024. And, you know, they need him. He is going to be, he's going to enter the season probably as their number four starter. And there will be injuries in the starting rotation during the course of the season. So you're going to need Taiwan Walker to pitch to pitch well for you in order to have success over a 162-game season. And he did have times last year where he did pitch pretty well. But getting that velocity up would be a big help for Taiwan Walker becoming a more effective pitcher. A couple other different bits of uh, news. Jeff Hoffman, the Phillies' right-handed reliever, switching his number from 68 to 23. Don't switch your number. 68 worked last year, Jeff. What are you doing? He was so good with number 68 last season. I, I, you know, some, some players are really weird with their numbers. When I was, when I was a kid, I never cared what number I was assigned when I was playing little league or soccer or whatever it was, but players will give away, like they'll go out and buy like an expensive watch or something for someone to give up a number that they've worn all their lives. So Jeff Hoffman uh, switches from 68 to 23. Cody Clemens had been wearing number 23. Uh, last season. He has now switched to number two. Number two was previously worn by Josh Harrison. Destiny Legardo had that important information in her Phillies Nation story uh, recapping uh, the first day. Uh, the Phillies did make it official with starter Spencer Turnbull. Um, he will wear number 22. Uh, the Phillies have a designated, they had to make a move designating for assignment uh, what was his name? McKinley Moore designated for assignment off the 40-man roster. Uh, so goodbye, McKinley Moore. We'll see if he clears waivers. We did find out that Andrew Bellotti and Simone Muziotti uh, both cleared waivers and both will be sent to AAA or both will report to AAA after spring training is all said and done. Uh, Turnbull, Colby Allard, and Nick Nelson uh, all in camp. Uh, the Phillies also did make a couple of more minor moves uh, that we want to tell you about, including bringing back an old friend, handsome Dave, David Buchanan. Uh, back from uh, back with the Philadelphia organization. Uh, in 2015, he made 15 starts for the Phillies and posted a robust 6.99 ERA. He has since uh, bounced around a number of different uh, leagues around the around the world. Uh, he was in Japan's Nippon League. Uh, he was also he also played in Korea. Uh, where he was uh, actually did pretty well uh, with the Samsung Lions, had a 2.54 ERA over 30 starts last season. And across four full seasons in South Korea, Buchanan had a 3.02 ERA. He is now 34 years old. Um, you know, he's a soft contact guy, but he only allowed four home runs all season last year. So David Buchanan back in Philly's camp, uh, he will most likely... Pitch for the AAA uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs this year as depth for the Phillies. The club also signed Caleb Ort off of waivers. The Miami Marlins uh, placed him on waivers earlier this week. He is 32 years old. Ort made the opening day roster for the Boston Red Sox last year as a reliever, um, but uh, across three brief seasons and 51 and two-thirds innings in the majors, Ort has a 6.27 ERA, but I can tell you, I certainly hope he gets some run because I just enjoy saying the name Ort. Now, he does have good peripherals. Uh, he struck out 9.4 batters per nine last year, only walked three and a half per nine innings, and he has a fastball that tops out at 99 miles per hour. However, Ort does give up some home runs. Um, I promise you I'm not going to do that. Uh, six home runs allowed in 23 innings uh, last season 
uh, for the for the Red Sox. But a 12 and a half strikeouts per nine through his triple A career. OK, OK, we'll we'll throw a dart with Ort. And, um, you know, I think it sounds like he's going to be a relief pitcher. Uh, certainly for throwing 99 miles an hour, I think that would probably make a lot of sense. So, you know, let's see what Ort does here for for AAA, what he does here. Again, this is one of those moves we've talked about. When you bring in a guy who can throw 99 miles an hour, if he can figure some things out, remember Jose Alvarado was all over the place when the Phillies traded for him. He could throw 98, 99 miles an hour, but nobody had any idea where that stuff was going. Now he figured it out. He harnessed it. And they got Jeff Hoffman to add a few miles an hour uh, to his fastball. So who knows? Maybe with somebody like Ort, somebody who's already got that high-powered fastball, maybe he can give you a little bit of something here in 2024. Um, I did also want to talk about an article I wrote for the for the good fight here uh, this week. The five players I'm most interested in watching here in Philly Spring Training as we are getting things all revved up. Johan Rojas is one of them. And I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Johan Rojas and what he looks like this offseason. My man went to the, and I'm not implying anything about, you know, performance enhancing anything or other like, but you remember when Lenny Dykstra, before the 1991 season, or was it the 1990 season, came to camp and he was like all jacked? Now, Lenny did it through the help of pharmaceuticals. I don't think Johan Rojas is doing that. He's a lean, cut six-pack-looking dude, it looks like he could destroy human beings. And he clearly bulked up because he wants to be more of an impact player at the plate. I am so interested in seeing what he looks like at the dish here down in Clearwater. And again, of course, I understand spring training pitching, but I, if, if, he is, if he's displaying some power, if he's displaying some more gap power or whatever, He's going to make the team almost certainly. And he was worth two and a half wins above replacement last year. Did you realize that? According to baseball reference, two and a half wins above replacement in 59 games. That defense is so elite that if he's even just an average hitter, he's a five-win player. So that's why you're seeing Dave Dombrowski uh, and the rest of the team kind of sitting on their hands in the free agent outfield market. So Johan Rojas, I think, is the guy we're all going to be watching most closely here in uh, in Clearwater. Uh, number two for me is Mick Abel. Very curious to see what baseball prospectus's number 36 prospect has in store for us here in 2024. Uh, he's uh, number 49 for MLB Pipeline and number 64 for Baseball America. He didn't have a great year last year, kind of up and down, a 4.14 ERA in Reading, 22 starts, walked too many guys, 62 walks in those 22 starts, but he is still a promising prospect. He's just 22 years old or 23 years old. I forget. I think he was 22 last year. This is his age 23 season, and they don't need Abel to be major league ready right at the start of the season. But what you want to see from him is real progress this year. He is a top pitching prospect for a reason. This should be a year for him to start putting it all together because there are really... He's got time, but he doesn't have a lot of time left. And he was not great in Reading last year. Can he get his secondary pitches to be more effective? Can he get his command under control? There's just too many walks, too much inconsistency from start to start for McAble. But I'd be very interested to see how he looks against big league hitters here in 2024 in the spring. Another guy I'm going to be watching, Carlos De La Cruz. Now, the Phillies don't really have any position prospects in AAA or AA. They don't really have a whole lot of high upside position players. 
like Weston Wilson might get some time this year if there's injuries. Uh, Bryce Harper goes down. You might see them call up Derek Hall. Uh, you know, you have guys like that. Carlos De La Cruz is not one of the top prospects in baseball. I think he's, if you're going to rank him, he's somewhere between six and 10 best prospect for the Phillies. He's 24 years old. He hasn't played above Reading in his pro career. There's not a whole lot of faith that he can harness his very tall frame to hit big league pitching consistency consistently. But man, when he gets a hold of a ball, he can really do some damage. He, he reminds me a little of Aaron Altair. And so that might be what his ceiling is, but he has tremendous power and tremendous bat speed in 129 games for Reading last year. He had 24 home runs and he saw his walk rate jump from 4.9% in 2022 to 9.3% last year, right? So he increased that by like 80%, which is why he had a 259 average, but a 344 on base percentage. Still strikes out a lot, 27.5% last year. Uh, but even in a hitter's environment, his weighted runs created plus was still well above league average, 118. Now he's going to make the jump to AAA this year. He should see a ton of playing time in one of the corner outfield spots as well as first base. I think he's going to get a lot of the a lot of he's going to get a long look at a lot of the kind of pitching in the spring here that he'll see at Lehigh Valley. Um, and listen, the Phillies have had a lot of guys like him come through the minor league system: Dylan Cousins, Hall, Darren Ruff, guys who never stuck at the big league level but showed great power in the minors. Perhaps De La Cruz will emerge as that outfield depth or a deadline trade chip. If he tears it up in AAA, I, that, I just I'm I think he's interesting. I think he's an interesting prospect. I know he's not on the top of anybody's prospect lists, but the power is tantalizing. If he can cut down on his strikeouts a little bit, and he can, I think he's going to get. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time in Clearwater. I think they want to get a good long look at him and see whether or not he's somebody that they could bring up to the majors at some point this year if some folks go down or if he's tearing the cover off the ball at AAA Lehigh Valley. I'll also be interested to see his defense. How good is he in one of those corner outfield spots? The next guy, number four, Griff McGarry. We have all been tantalized by the talent of right-handed prospect Griff McGarry over the last year. He had some starts for the uh, Reading Phils that, uh, Reading Fightins, I should say, that were truly electric. He had a start when was it? In July, where he pitched seven innings, gave up three hits, no runs, and struck out 10 with no walks. When he's on his game, he is one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. His stuff is maybe the best in the, in the whole entire system. But when that command leaves him, it kicks him out of the house and leaves his furniture on the front yard. He had one game, and this was the game that essentially ended his season Last year, he was called up to AAA late in the season, and in one game, he didn't record an out, gave up seven runs, and walked six guys. Uh, for those for those for those people who were watching the game, it went walk, hit by pitch, walk, 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 walk. Right, four bases loaded, walks in a row. Four bases loaded, walk, walk, hit by pitch. Walk, 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 walk. That was it, and then that was it. They took him out after seven hitters. Seven hitters, six walks, all those hitters scored. Finished the game with a 50.63 ERA. He just, his he, he lost the ability to throw the baseball where he wanted to throw it. 
And this happens to players sometimes. This happens to pitchers sometimes. You know, it's called Steve Blast disease. You just don't you don't know when it's going to leave you. It happened to Rick Ankeel in the playoffs. It happened to Bruce Ruffin with the Phillies for a little while there. So the Phillies sat him down, and it'll be fascinating to see if a reset did this young man well. I sure hope it did because uh, they, he does have unbelievable stuff. It will be interesting to see whether the team still views him as a potential starter or a bullpen piece, and I think that's one of the other things we're going to see this spring. We'll get a good uh, we'll get a good sense of that uh, as we see his usage here in Clearwater. And then the final guy, and there's obviously others, but these are the five I'm most interested in in watching. I want to see what Christian Pache has in store here. He was a he was a very up and down player last year. Twenty five years old. He was awful in his first few plate appearances after being acquired from the Braves, but then caught fire and he hit 360 with a homer and three doubles in April, 26 plate appearances. Then he went on the the injured list, didn't play again until June, 15 plate appearances in June, had a 231 average, but a 718 OPS, not terrible. In July, he went four for 11 with a dinger in two doubles, but then he went on the injured list again. Finally, he came back in September and hit 114 in 42 plate appearances in September. Now, he did contribute in the postseason. Remember, he started games one and two uh, of the Marlins series, I believe, and uh, scored a couple of key runs in in that series. So uh, he did okay in the playoffs. I do think he's going to be on this team as the fourth or fifth outfielder. He's a great defender, just like Rojas. Um, He's a former top 100 prospect, again, still just 25 years old, and uh, we saw that he he does have some interesting traits. He did seem to be he did seem to get better after coming to Philadelphia last year. So uh, he could be a major contributor. He's still very young if he can stay healthy, uh, but I don't see where the playing time. He's not going to get a lot of playing time in Philadelphia, and so you could see him in Levi Lehigh Valley. Now he doesn't have any more options left, so he would have to pass through waivers. He might he might be able to pass through waivers, although I would imagine there might be a team out there that has an opening in an outfield spot that would be willing to snap him up. Uh, so the it, but if he did clear waivers, he could go back to Lehigh Valley if the team needed that. But my guess is he will stay on the team as a fourth or fifth outfielder for pretty much the entire season. But Christian Pache, I'll be curious to see what he looks like in the spring. Uh, but those are five players I'm most interested in watching. And again, of course, there are a lot of others, and that doesn't count. Uh, you know, Bryce Harper and all the stars. I'm very curious to see if Trey Turner looks good in the spring. But again, it doesn't really matter because we've seen some of the Phillies star players hit the cover off the ball in the spring and then come up north and flail for the first month or two of the season. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, some Phillies rumors to tell you about. Todd Zalecki uh, said that uh, the Phillies, uh, we're talking about some of the free agents that are still out there. Zalecki says that Philadelphia would take left-hander Jordan Montgomery on a one- or two-year deal, but that Montgomery is not ready to sign for that. One, I can't blame him. Probably won't be for another couple of weeks. Um, Zalecki also reports that there was a report recently about the Phillies talking to Cleveland about closer Emmanuel Classe. But Dombrowski said late last week, we do not have any ongoing conversations for bullpen guys. Now, that's not to say the Phillies didn't talk about Class A. Dombrowski's not denying that, but just that there are no ongoing conversations for bullpen guys. Matt Gelb uh, reported in The Athletic on Wednesday that the Phillies remain open to short-term deals with unsigned free agents. So that would uh, that would play along with the Jordan Montgomery note from Todd Zalecki's newsletter today. Uh, but Zale- but uh, Gelb notes that it's difficult to imagine certain markets collapsing to the point where the Phillies are major bidders. So again, yeah, 
I don't think Jordan Montgomery is going to have to sign for one or two years. But uh, if he's ready, if he when he's ready, the Phillies will just kind of be sitting there waiting underneath the underneath the window with a little pillow waiting to catch him. And then um, Jim Bowden, I don't know why I'm even going to mention this, but he keeps talking with Merrifield to the Phillies. I forgot Merrifield made the all-star team last year. He's still trying to get a multi-year contract and a job as an everyday outfielder. But Bowden says that he has felt all offseason his best landing spot would be with Philadelphia, where he could be the 10th player, filling in at second base and in left field with the ability to also play some third base, center field, right field, and DH. He would help protect the Phillies from injuries, like the minor knee issue that has sidelined left fielder Brandon Marsh. Now, he's like a 720 OPS guy. Uh, he hits for a decent average. He's like a 280, 290 hitter, but that's, it's pretty, they're empty calories, essentially. You know, he's, he's, but the fact that he can play all over the place, I just, I worry that he would be the next Josh Harrison. Guy who seemed like he could play everywhere and that he would be productive, but was a black hole whenever he was in the lineup. And that's my concern about Whit Merrifield at this point in his career. I'm just not so sure, not so sure he has anything left in the tank. Merrifield, is still a speedy guy, can steal some bases and plays better defense than Josh Harrison. And he can play the outfield as well as the infield. So that positional flexibility makes a lot of sense, uh, especially with uh, Brandon Marsh's uh, future uncertain. But again, doesn't sound like Whit Merrifield is ready to sign a one-year deal with anyone. Looks like he wants to try and find an everyday job someplace. I, I just don't see that happening for him. I don't think he's got a whole lot left in the tank. Um, one other bit of... One other thought before uh, before we say goodbye here on this episode of the podcast. I keep coming back to the bullpen. And it seems to me that the Phillies are making a mistake coming into the season relying on Jeff Hoffman and Orion Kirkering to be the primary right-handed late-inning relievers outside of Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think it's a mistake that they didn't sign and haven't signed at least one other, not it doesn't even have to be on the level of a Craig Kimbrell, but but to get that replacement in place. It's just one more established right-handed reliever. I think it's a danger. I see a, a dangerous idea not to bring one on, to just go into the season relying on Hoffman and Kirkering. Because we know relievers are volatile. Connor Brogdon and Andrew Bellotti were both penciled in to be big-time bullpen contributors heading into last year. Right after a really good 2022 season, Bellotti especially in the playoffs, but uh, you know you had uh, uh, Connor Brogdon kind of rise to the challenge late in, in that postseason. They were both awful in 2023, to the point where they had to play most of the season in AAA. And my, that's my concern. My, my concern is Hoffman, who was amazing for the Phillies last year, perhaps their best non-Jose Alvarado reliever by the time the end of the season rolled around. My worry is that he regresses, that he kind of does something similar to what we saw with Brogdon and Bilotti. Uh, you know, he, he's, he was never any good before coming to Philadelphia, but he had a great year last year. His stuff absolutely played up, and you could see why he was more effective. But I feel like you're pinning a lot of hopes on that not being a fluke season. And we know with relievers, so many of them follow up really good seasons with really bad seasons, and they alternate good and bad seasons. And I think Kirkering, 
is a question mark. He had a big season in the minors. He has the stuff to dominate, but will he? Will they? I think history tells us, with Hoffman especially, that there's a 50-50 chance he will regress and or that Kirkering will struggle. Now, Dombrowski could end up being right about these guys, and maybe Brogdon or Bellotti impress in the spring and or when they start the season in Lehigh Valley and get called up, and that's the backup plan. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I certainly would have felt better about them signing at least one established right-handed relief pitcher and not simply relying on Jeff Hoffman to do what he did last year. I just think it's tricky. I think it's dangerous. I think it's, I, I think it's foolish not to cover yourself there. And they're putting a lot of hope in the Orion Kirkering egg a basket. A lot of eggs in that basket. You know, it's just, it's it's a roll of the dice. And uh, I hope uh, Dave Dombrowski is uh, making the right decision. I feel like, I feel like bullpen is going to be something they have to add at the trade deadline. And again, they're probably very comfortable waiting until the trade deadline and seeing what they have first. And that does make some sense. I have to remind myself that there is a trade deadline. You can make moves in season that you probably owe it to Hoffman and Kirkering to see if they're going to be the guys. And in the meantime, you've got Brogdon and Bilotti throwing in AAA. If they're dominating in AAA, if they look more like their 2022 selves and either Hoffman or Kirkering does not look good, then you can make a swap. And then you've also got guys like Ort and some of the other folks that they've signed over these last couple of weeks who could potentially be additions to the bullpen. So I know I just, I like the bright, shiny object too. I like certainty. I like, but again, bullpen guys, there's no, there's no guarantee that if you brought Hector Neris in here, that he wouldn't have had a 4.7 ERA in Philadelphia this season. But I think the chances of Neris, who has a long track record of being a good relief pitcher, as opposed to Hoffman, who has one good year of being a good relief pitcher, I just, I would feel more confident in, in the Phillies bullpen as a whole, if Naris were in the fold and Hoffman were still around as well, along with Kirkering, but that may, that's probably too many chiefs, um, right? You just got too many, too many bodies in that bullpen and not enough baseballs to go around. So again, I, I get what the Phillies are doing. They truly believe in Hoffman and Kirkering and they certainly probably deserve the opportunity through the first couple months of the season to show whether or not they will progress and continue on from their excellent 23 seasons here in 2024. And I guess we got to give them that chance, but uh, just uh, uh, that, that's my, one of my concerns about the team. And we'll see in, we'll see in the spring, like if Hoffman's getting lit up, Kirkering's getting lit up. That's, and that's not a good sign. And we'll see how the Phillies handle it from there. All right, everybody. Well, look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season, our first official podcast of the 2024 baseball season with pitchers and catchers in the swing of things down in Clearwater. I did I did want to let you guys uh, know, of course, um, some of you already know that uh, on our Sunday night, Monday night shows, we are, of course, uh, streaming those uh, streaming those shows, uh, not live streaming, but although we might start to do the live stream. I'm not sure yet if we're going to do that or not, but we are at least going to record ourselves on video so you can also subscribe to the Hit and Season YouTube channel. Just uh, Google Hit and Season uh, over in YouTube and you'll find the, the, the Hit and Season YouTube challenge and we'll have clips of the show Highlights from the show as well, our Sunday night, Monday night conversation, as well as any uh, guest interviews that I do. We'll, we'll throw those up whenever applicable as well. Uh, the Hit and Season landing page over at uh, billypen.com. Want to make sure that you're checking that out. Bookmark that page, Billy Penn. 
dot com slash hidden season. Uh, you can see my article. I wrote an article up this week. That's up there right now. Uh, check out my work at thegoodfight.com also. And I uh, want to encourage everybody to check out our hidden season Patreon. Patreon.com slash hidden season. We are a cottage industry here at the hidden season baseball podcast Phillies extravaganza network. And we are jacked up that Phillies pitchers and catchers are in are in, are in Clearwater. They're getting ready for the season. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, position players there. Uh, we're going to get to some baseball games here before too long, and, and then we're really going to start to lose our minds. And we are really looking forward to another season with our partners here at WHYY and BillyPenn.com, working with those guys. I think we're going to have uh, another event coming up at the start of the season, so we will keep you updated on that as well. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Enjoy the start of spring training. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hidden Season.